G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Talking Luft. This week I'm chatting with Alan Alvey Davis, a good friend of mine back from Green Edge days but someone I admired through my career watching him grow up. He was on all the awesome teams, MAPE, Onsay, Quickstep, Green Edge, all the great kits. So I thought what better to have a chat to him about a bit of Luft, racing without helmets, how he wore his cap and you know the rest of the questions. So sit back and enjoy this one. Alan Davis. Welcome, Alan Davis, to Life in the Peloton Talking Luft. This is our special little spin off series, and I thought, what better to get a guy who has ridden in, in my opinion, some of the best teams? He started back with, well, first of all, let's let's welcome Alan Davis. Welcome, mate. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. Absolute pleasure to be here, mate, and talking some luft. Perfect. I like. I've got to go back and talk about the beginning because he had the pleasure of riding on Mape. Then after that, he jumped onto Onsay. You know, like what a combination. Those two kits are the two favorite kits that I have in my in my mind. So then from there, you know, he he went across and also rode on Quickstep as well. Then we, we got together at um at Green Edge as well. So he's had a fantastic career of fantastic teams, fantastic kits. And that's what we're talking about today. So Albie, the first question is caps. Cycling caps that is. How do you wear your cycling cap? Do you wear it forwards? Do you wear it backwards? Brim up, brim down? What's your style, mate? Well, it was a little bit, so take it back. So when I first signed with MAPE, it was still the era where we could race with no helmets and obviously caps. So I got the taste of that and my, my way that I used to wear my hat when I raced was backwards and I don't know, I'd rather have the, the, the peak of it or whatever, you, I'm not sure the front of it was always tilted up um, because it used to dig into my back when I was down in the drops, so when I was sprinting. Yeah. So I used to have the little, little peak on the, on the up, but I had it always backwards. But uh, in training, just the normal front version, mate, with the, just nice and high and um, just the way, you know, we like it. I love that, mate. You've answered question one and two there because the second question is if you could have raced in hel- without helmets. So, mate, I love that. I love hearing that story. Well, let's go to the, straight to question three then. Favourite race, Albie. What was your favourite race? Or maybe what is your favourite race now? Maybe you never raced it. Maybe you did. What was your favourite race? Um, well, I suppose dream race was always uh, the Tour, the Tour de France. Basically, you know, where I grew up in, in Bundaberg, mate, it was the only thing that was really on TV and at the time. And, and uh, it was shown, you know, it was shown in the big cities on SBS back, back in those days. And then we would get a VHS tape sent to us, our family from friends from Brisbane. So um, that basically planted the seed on my dreams, I suppose, in Europe. Um but then once I got over to Europe and started to see obviously all these other beautiful races around the around the around the world, you know, especially in Europe and the Pro Tour and the World Tour, so to speak, I you know I started to really fall in love with the classics, and then obviously 
my characteristics were suited to the classicissima, I, th- I think, most mm-hmm. most of all. And uh, so it was the scenery I really took, Milan scenery, I took a sort of the, took the honours in terms of the favourite race on the European calendar and then, you know, had a real love as well and still do for the World Championships. What what about San Sebastian? I thought that might have snuck in there. Um, oh, I, I love the race, Mitch. I, I really do. And, you know, I've lived here in Oyatsum just outside of San Sebastian now for nearly 20 years. Um, I was just a little bit too hard for me, mate. I was never good enough to, to make it to the front end of the, of the race. I think, you know, I was a second group um, was the closest I got to, you know, obviously being in a chance to win it. So, um, yeah, it was just a little bit too hard for me, mate. All right, let's go to the next question then. Crosswinds or mountains? What do you prefer, mate? Um, okay, so is this this is a racing question? Could be. Could be training. Maybe you like training in the crosswinds, having your bike leaning on the side up in Belgium. I don't know, mate. You could be very strange. I'm not, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I absolutely love training in the mountains, yeah. and uh, I did. Well, obviously, living, like I said, in the Basque country, very mountainous area. Um, now, for a long time, it, it was really enjoyable to, you know, to to be in the mountains and, you know, get over the top of them and enjoy the descents, so to speak. Um, like, I, like I mentioned before, coming from Bundy, it was a total opposite. So it was just flat and windy. Um, you, you know, it was just a grind. Every ride you did was just a grind on dead roads and wind. Um, so I prefer training um, in the mountains and I would say racing in the mountains as well, but not in terms of racing in the mountains, I say it because I never had the pressure to compete mm. to be at the front in the mountains. It was always just getting through them as best as I could. Uh, to make the time limit and save my energy for for coming days, so I didn't really have to. I suppose that's probably why I liked them a little bit more in the races. But I've had some terrible experiences, Mitch, and still have dark memories <laughs> from CrossFit. It's, it was it was one of those you know you've you've never you know, I see that say to young riders you know have you ever have you ever been in at the back in the echelons you know at the back of the fifth echelon. Um, that's when you really. That's when you really learn how to how to race. You know, um, I think every rider, whether you're a sprinter, climber, or whatever you are, if you if you don't know how to ride the crosswinds, you're in trouble. So, yeah. I think that's probably the the least enjoyable part of of my cycling was the crosswinds. Oh, you sort of alluded to it then. What did you prefer, training or racing? Um, I was a racer, mate. I loved I loved racing. Um, I really. I suppose it was embedded into me by the old man and, um, you know, racing was, you know, was a big part of uh, the family and track racing before the roads sort of the road thing started. So, uh, you know, the track carnivals, mate, um, that was, it was, it was all about racing. I really loved the racing, you know, some, as, as we all know, training becomes a bit of a grind at times, but, um, yeah, the racing was a really good element that I, I loved, but uh, obviously fast forwarding now, um, there's no competitive bones left in me, mate. So I just loved it I on <laughs> on the bike and enjoying cycling for what it is. Well, think back to those days when you were just training your guts out. What was your hardest? And I put slash favorite training session. Maybe there was no favorite training sessions for you, but think back to those days. You think what were the hardest ones, or what were the favorite training days? Um, 
Oh, my hardest ones were always my motor pace days. I had this mm. where three days out from a race, whether it was a one-day race or, um, you know, a stage race, I would always have – I would empty myself. So I would basically do three hours on my own with some uh, multiple uh, efforts on the on basically three sort of 20-minute climbs um, just to – just to loosen me up a little bit, and then I would meet, um, you know, meet the motor pacer was which a lot of time was Steve-O, and with the last yep. two hours behind the bike, and uh, mate, those days were the hardest, <laughs> hardest. But like, like it's it's ironic, mate. It's it's uh, you, you get you love to you get to love to suffer, and uh, you know the benefits you're going to get out from those days. So. It just intensifies that element, you know. Just um, yeah, I've had I've had races where they've been easier than that day, like three days later. No, I, I can only imagine with Steve behind the bike. I remember he motor pace us home from a stage in Vuelta Burgos once behind the car, and I was thinking, this is harder than the bloody race I just did. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they were definitely the hardest days, but um, I had this. I got enjoyable days. I have. Uh, Oh, I still do have this nice four-hour loop around here. I used to love looping around, Mitch. I was a real fan of going out and back and going back mm. to the same road. So I really liked the the old loop. And I had this uh, four-hour loop and um, basically was leaving from home, going along the coastline, heading north along the, the Corniche from San Sebastian, heading towards sort of Beeritz. And then you'd sort of cut inland and, and go over the climbs coming into home. And that was all. Mm. I don't know. It was just it was really enjoyable, and you know we'd get into it on the climbs on the way home. But it was it was just a really enjoyable loop. And that was always one that uh, you know, stood out for me. And also, you know, my brother lived here for a little while, and also Aaron Kemps, Kempsey, and we all mm. we all said the same thing. It's, it's an awesome loop. Great. Well, that was another question later on. So I'm glad that you got into that. That's perfect. Let's go a little bit off skew now favorite drink mate what's your poison what is Albie's go-to beverage <laughs> oh, it'd have to be a beer mitch mm, oh, i thought be, it might have been it'd have to be a beer um i do uh, i do love i've got to love and and really admire the the wine scene the vinos um especially mm. now with with being into you know, being into hosting luxury tour cycling holidays, so um, you know I do take clients a lot to vineyards and take them out to nice places to to wine and dine. So I've got a really I've got a real uh, soft spot now for for fine wine, but um, I would say my definitely you know first first one that I would have after a ride or you know or some sort of exercise would be a beer, cold beer. That's a shame that you had to really force your hand to like wine because of your job. That's a real punishment <laughs> there, I see. Yeah, someone's got to do it, mate. Someone's got to do it. But, uh, Back on the bike, when you're out training, were you a coffee stop guy? Um, yes. Yes, I, I, I used to – definitely on a recovery day, definitely I'd love to have a, you know, just an easy ride and a good, good coffee and, you know, a good yarn. During my time, there wasn't, you know, we spent a few days, or sorry, a few years with my brother, like I said, and um, there always there wasn't really a big group of us here in the in the Basque country, but 
we always try to stop and have a have a coffee. Um, but then, um, like, I think you can agree, mate. You know, as you get older and family and kids and and time becomes a little bit limited. You know, you have to go go home and you got responsibilities. You know, to to a schedule mainly to pick up kids or whatever whatever it may be. So longer rides, it was just a quick coffee. Yeah, just more of a quick coffee and if it was lunchtime, you know, or if I didn't have much in my pocket or nothing at home, I'd grab a quick sandwich and then, yeah, get back into it to get home. What would you get on that sandwich? Um, oh, normally, uh, it'd be in France, mate, so it's normally jambon, jambon blanc and fromage, lemon cheese oh, yeah. and butter, that's about it. Plenty of butter too. They they pack that butter on, don't they? I, I can't stand it. It's like thick cheese yeah, on there. Yeah, that's it, mate. They're the ones. All right, moving to coffee now. What sort of coffee are you? How do you start the day? Do you start with a you know a big frothy cappuccino and then have an espresso later? What's your coffee, Albie? Um, it's just a long black, Mitch. I um want just no sugar, no milk, just just black coffee, mate. Yeah, I went through. A, I suppose I started off. My early twenties, having you know the frothy cappuccino with, <laughs> with a bit of sugar, but yeah, as I sort of got older and you know bitter, <laughs> bitter and angrier, and just yeah, just just straight black. I've two. I've got a coffee machine here. I've had it for over ten years now, and I hit hit the button twice, and it brings out a nice long black. <laughs> Perfect. When you were training, were you training with a group, or you used to just head out on your own? Um, not a lot was on my own, Mitch. Um, yeah, like I really enjoyed the years that, like I said, my brother was around here in the area and, and Kempsey, another Aussie mm. lad. Um, so it was kind of like three of us, a three man band. So that was cool. Um, and then you know, I had the option to go with the local boys, like Juan Magarate, actually, your director, mm. he lives around the area. So we, we'd meet up. Um, if I'd stay here in the winter, which was a couple of times, I used to go with the boys, local boys, a lot, just to make it more enjoyable. But over the summer, you know, you know, it's like, mate, everyone's got their own mm. program as well. Like I said before, family and everyone's got some sort of routine on, so it's it's, it's hard to all meet up. Exactly, it is. It was, and like once you get into the racing, as you just alluded to, like someone's doing something, you're on recovery, so it is it is quite hard. Yeah. Tell me, when you got back from those big grand tours or a big hard training session, what was your celebratory food or your go-to, you know what, Albie, I deserve this today. I'm going to have something, a little treat. What was your cheat meal? It was always a barbie, mate. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, it was always a barbie for me. Um, you know, obviously I had the kids my my whole career at home and so it was always a barbie, you know, and a few more beers than normal. So, yeah. yeah, just have... You know, have a half dozen stubbies and a and a just a long long afternoon barbie. You know, not just just really enjoy it. And um, yeah. I suppose it's probably a little bit to do with my upbringing as well, being from Queensland. But um, yeah, it was a barbie, mate. And yeah, anything, anything goes on it. You know, whatever. Whether it's snags, um, chops, bloody fish, big chuletas, like we have in the, in the Basque country, and then uh, yeah, big big salads and, and whatever. I just added, we always used to have like, you know, the nibbles before, so a little plate of platter of nibbles and just make it a really long afternoon. It's more the scenario, isn't it? Like, yeah, obviously the food creates that, but it's that whole scenario. I think I answered this question more or less similar to you. It's like the food is good, but it's like just kicking back, long barbie in the afternoon, 
talking around the barbecue, cooking the meat. It's just the scenario as well. Exactly. That's exactly right, mate. It's uh, the ambience it creates and and the vibe, you know, a few tunes. Um, yeah, over the summer when the weather's good, you know, there's always some sort of sport on TV as well. You can sort of mix in there with the whatever's on, you know, Wimbledon or whatever's on throughout the mm. recycling. So it was, they, were, they were my enjoyable, enjoyable days. Tell me what's your best bike? What's your go-to Albie's best bike? Um, I always said during my career I I picked up my bike in the World Championships 2003 in uh, Canada. So mm. it was the second World Championships as a as a professional riding for Honso. Mm. Before, mate. On uh, Giant, we had a giant. We had Giant sponsor back then, and I picked my bike up that day of the race and for the World Championships. And they had you know Manolo and the mechanics. They had this really. They loved it. You know, have a real good good kit. You know, a really good kit and detailed yeah. bikes and really like I had little lugs on there with Australian colours and on the on just the brake the brake cables and all this sort of fang dangle stuff but mm. the mechanic showed up and he had um he had like a bore a deep dish back wheel on in the back mm. the normal like climbing light wheel in the front and race day mate that bike just felt like it <laughs> went by itself i don't know i don't know why but um yeah i was just stuck in my mind so that was uh, the bike that uh i've answered this question a few times and that was that was the one yeah, nice. I really like it. All right. Well, I've got a couple of extra questions for you today. Um, one thing you miss from being a pro? Um, for me, it's the mateship, Mitch. The it's yeah. it's all about the mateship. I, I miss I miss having um, having that. Just having a plan, you know, like going going into into battle with your mates. And it does not. It's not about winning. On like, it's great, you know. Obviously, when you win together, but it's just getting the best out of the day with your mates. Um, that's that's what I miss, big time. That was a that was sort of the hardest bit to yeah. to deal with with transition. Um, I, I don't miss the the competitive competitive side of racing. Uh, once again, I've answered this quite a few times with other. I'll answer it the same. It's I don't I don't know why, but I don't miss the the racing or the competitiveness side of of cycling. Um, it's all it's all been about the just the the camaraderie, the mateships that the form that you form, you know, with um, with many times not your nationality, you know, from all over the world, riders from all over the world, and your mechanics and your soigneurs and uh, directors, you know, just you're all you're all in together and. Um, to, to come to come away at the end of the day with accomplish what you go into, you know, with the cards that you have to play and you accomplish what the best result. That that feeling is uh, that's that's special and that's what I miss. Mm, nice, nice. And you did just say the things you don't miss is the competitiveness. Is there anything else you don't miss, or that's just it? Um, I'm kind of lucky because I, I, you know, I'm currently working. Well, I did a bit of a sports director. Job. I'm currently working with the UCI as a technical advisor, so I do. I'm around the races as much as I'd like to be. So I, I work with the World Tour, with the Australian World Tour races and the Spanish uh, World Tour scene, 
with my job. So it's about 50 to 60 days a year of work. So I still get my my fix of, you know, cycling, world tour cycling. And um, I think not having that in my life would be different. But having this been in my life since I retired somewhat, well, the first year was a bit as it was nothing, but after sort of that first year I sort of was involved with Tour Down Under and these jobs come along. So that has made me um, sort of enjoy it still to a degree um, and still be involved and still get my fix from from cycling. Um, what I, like I said, what I don't like to answer the question, Mitch, is probably mm. being away for long times from home. Yeah, uh, that's a good that, call. Yeah, that's one that... That as a rider, you know, we spent a lot of time away and it was time to sort of give back to the family, so so to speak, as well, mate. So I, I didn't I didn't like being away from the from the family and you know, I, I still I still don't like being away for long periods of time, but if it's to do with work it has to be done. But um, yeah, well, apart from the competitive not, not being really competitive at the moment, that'd be the the other only other other fact. All right, mate. Well, that's great. Last question I've got here for you. Now, we've all been in this quarantine lockdown and unfortunately still in Melbourne, Australia, they're still pretty much in it. But one thing I'm asking all the guests in the last few months is what's something coming out of quarantine or the lockdown, what's a bit of a revelation you've had after having that time at home or you know, how do you see things differently now? Um, I, I, well, I do really... It's been interesting, as as, uh, as you know, it's it's been pretty tough here in in, in the Basque country and also in Spain, um, being being with lockdown and you know we live in an apartment, an apartment building on the third floor, and we're lucky we'd have some um, some balconies. So my partner, she she kept working, so basically it was myself here holding the fort with the kids. And um, I definitely, just definitely changed my outlook on just the little things in life, like not taking taking it for granted and not being able to just go outside and then and play in the afternoon with the kids, you know. Mm. Uh, especially when the weather's good and and just enjoy enjoy the serenity of what you have within your fingertips around around home um, a lot more than what uh, than what we did before coronavirus you know um there's a lot more ipadding and you know just letting the letting the kids on you know what they want on youtube or whatever they want on tv made inside it's been that's been a big changer for us it's it's been basically outside nearly every afternoon when the weather permits and just getting the bikes out mate getting the the scooters and getting the kids out there and um that's been the biggest change in, in our family and our lifestyle since since COVID. Mate, that's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on Talking Luff today. I've uh, I've loved being talking the old times and hearing your voice again, mate, and um, really appreciate you coming on. No, no worries at all, Mitch. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Albie. Cheers, mate. There we have it, another Talking Luft. I hope you enjoyed that. A little insight to Albie back in the day next week there'll be another episode over on the cycling podcast so hang in for that and the week after that obviously another talking luft i want to say thanks to lara behind the scenes for helping me out and guys caps are coming they're being produced as we speak so by the end of the month new caps will be out up online so hang in there sorry about the wait 
but I got them done as fast as I could. They're coming. I'm pretty excited. Until then, guys, cheers.